This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Time for us to look into headlines coming out from the U.S. It is time for the Washington Report. So, from U.S. President Joe Biden's first trip to Asia to U.S. representatives walking out of an Asia-Pacific trade ministers meeting in Bangkok to the Ukraine war, is the U.S. ready for further complications? To give us an analysis of those headlines, we have on the line Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief with the Straits Times. Nirmal, first up, U.S. President Joe Biden is on his first trip to Asia for five days since taking office. Let's start with... The first stop during this trip, South Korea, where he met with new South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol. No surprise that North Korea was one of the top gender you know, subjects in this meeting. What was discussed on this front? Why did the two nations see the importance of developing their alliance further? Hi there. Good morning. Yes, this year alone, North Korea has held 16 launches, including what it claimed was a new intercontinental ballistic missile, an ICBM. And researchers say North Korea is re-excavating previously demolished tunnels at its nuclear testing site. The U.S. believes more tests are going to come. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan last week said this may even include a nuclear test. Now, a few hours ago on the plane to Tokyo, Jake Sullivan told reporters, we were prepared for any contingency while we were in Korea, we prepared for any contingency while we are in Japan. And if North Korea acts, we'll be prepared to respond. If North Korea doesn't act, North Korea has the opportunity, as we've said repeatedly, to come to the table and start negotiating, unquote. So thus far, we have a stalemate. There are no talks. The U.S. has offered to help North Korea in dealing with COVID. It just recently admitted it has some cases, but no response to that either. So it is important for the new dispensation in South Korea to discuss all this. And reports say following their meeting, for one thing, they will consider expanding joint military exercises. Yeah, Biden's next stop is Japan. And South Korea and Japan do not exactly get along. Has it been a problem for Mr. Biden in his Asia tour? You know, how will this meeting differ from the meeting with South Korea? Yes, so the problem between South Korea and Japan goes back a very long way, as we know, all the way to World War II. And yes, it is a problem for the United States, as both countries are U.S. allies. It's most critical allies, in fact, in the Indo-Pacific. But the Yoon government is advocating normalization of Japan-South Korea relations and revitalization of trilateral cooperation that is between Japan, South Korea and the U.S. And this is very much what the U.S. would like to see. Now, we can't expect this to happen quickly. There have been several previous attempts at reconciliation. There was a 1998 declaration of a new Japan-Republic of Korea partnership. Then there was the 2015 Comfort Women Agreement. But there remains a mismatch in their perceptions of history, a lot of grievance. Still, that the UN administration wants to work towards reconciliation is obviously a good sign for the United States. The broader purpose of this visit to the U.S.'s most important allies in the region is an attempt to reassure that region that the U.S.'s credible nuclear deterrence remains strong and its commitment to Asia will not be in any way diminished by the conflict in Europe. 
Yes, there's plenty of focus of Mr. Biden's visit to Asia, but his administration is scrambling to salvage next month. The summit of the Americas focused on Latin America. This is the first time the U.S. is hosting the summit, but why are there so many hiccups? You know, what are the challenges the U.S. is facing with this summit and how did it even get to this? Well, yes, it's the first time the U.S. is hosting since 1994 when the inaugural summit was held in Miami. This time it's going to be in Los Angeles. Now, apparently, the Biden administration wants to invite only democratically elected leaders. It plans to exclude Cuba, for instance. Several countries have objected on principle. It began with Mexico and then Bolivia and Honduras and others. In fact, former Senator Chris Dodd, who is President Biden's special advisor for this summit, met virtually with Mexico's President López Obrador to try and smooth things over. Meanwhile, the White House said it would reverse the Trump-era rule to make it easier for Cuban families in the U.S. to send money home, and it has eased some sanctions on Venezuela, but that's specific to oil. Remember, inflation is very high, and it is a huge political problem for the Democrats. So they will have to sort this out soon because the summit is supposed to be next month, but so far we don't know if the issues have been resolved. This is an example of the ideological component of the United States foreign policy getting in the way of these meetings. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Let's also, you know, turn our attention back to Asia. Representatives of the U.S. and several other nations walked out of an Asia-Pacific trade ministers meeting in Bangkok. So, Nirma, what happened here that led to this walkout? Which other countries joined the U.S. and was it really necessary to do so? Yes, so Japan, Australia, Canada, New Zealand and the United States walked out. That's five countries out of 21 and they walked out in protest against the invasion of Ukraine when Russia's economic development minister Maxim Reshetnikov delivered his remarks at this meeting. Also, the meeting ended without issuing a joint statement due to these differences over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Japan's Trade Minister Koichi Hagyoda said there were big differences when coordinating the wording over Russia. This is yet another example of the shadow the war is casting across the globe. It is vitiating the atmosphere even at these multilateral meetings, and that makes it more difficult to deal with the consequences the war itself has produced, which include, quite apart from the question of European security, the issues of energy and food security, not to speak of the continuing necessity of dealing with the COVID pandemic. Now, the meeting did discuss food security, high energy prices and supply chain resilience. One can hope that at the working level, separate from these kinds of symbolic actions, that there will be cooperation on these global issues. As we can see, the war in Ukraine is getting complicated. U.S. latest aid came after the Senate passed a $40 billion emergency aid package for Ukraine. But is the U.S. ready for further complications? Is the U.S. still trying to help bring an end to this conflict through a settlement that would allow them to somewhat, you know, a relationship with Russia? Or is the U.S. on a mission to weaken Russia permanently? 
Yes, so in just over two months of this war, the United States has now given roughly 54 billion US dollars to Ukraine. And there is no sign, as you say, of any diplomatic breakthrough in bringing this war to a close. This has become a very costly, protracted stalemate. At home in Washington, questions are beginning to be asked in Congress. The administration also wants money for the COVID pandemic. Cases are on the rise again. And it needs money to buy baby formula. There is a severe shortage, as we know, of baby formula. And the White House has had to scramble to import formula. The first plane load from Europe arrived over the weekend. And the U.S. also needs money to manage its border with Mexico. So certainly the package for Ukraine passed, but a few Republicans voted against it, saying we need to spend this kind of money on our own problems. And we need oversight, accountability for how this money is being spent. Among them were Senators Rand Paul and Josh Hawley. Now, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has called them isolationists, but they have pushed back. Senator Hawley wrote on Twitter, spending $40 billion on Ukraine aid, more than three times what all of Europe has spent combined, is not in America's interests. It neglects priorities at home, he said. That is not isolationism, he said. That is nationalism. So we are, in effect, seeing the first cracks, as it were, in the wide consensus on assisting Ukraine. As to whether the U.S. wants to weaken Russia, a lot of people think it does. A lot of people in the Washington security and, uh, and geopolitical establishment think it should. And Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said as much last month. So it seems that is one of the goals. Well, thank you so much, Dermal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief with The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.